0: Thank you, Allie. This morning, uh, we are continuing to study the life of David. And I hope that as you've been studying this with me, that you've learned more than dates and times and names in the story. I hope that you found that David's story in many places is not unlike our story. And you might remember uh, Paul said of David, um, that David is a man after God's own heart, right? In other words, his heart is like God's heart. And today, we witness David's heart of forgiveness um, as he forgives someone who doesn't deserve it. And before we dive into the story, let's take just a minute to review where we've been, just in case you've not been with us. Uh, Last week, we talked about David being overthrown by his son Absalom. uh, But backing up a bit further, about 15 years prior to that, uh, when David was about 50 years old, A downward spiral took place in his life after he committed adultery and then murder. And in time, his household is a wreck. Uh, One son rapes his half-sister. Another son murders that son. And the murderer, Absalom, rebels against his father and sets himself up as king. And this is where we are in today's story. As we talked about last week, Absalom is finally killed. David is then restored to power. David is a crushed man having lost two sons. So today we're gonna be talking about one event that happens when David is fleeing from Jerusalem after Absalom overthrows him. And then another event we're going to cover after Absalom's death, when David is coming back into Jerusalem. So is everybody with me now where we are in the story? Let me invite you to find a Bible and follow along with me. Our first passage will be in 2 Samuel chapter 16. We're gonna be looking at verses five through 13. This is the first part of our story today. Remember, uh, David is fleeing from Jerusalem. Um, his son Absalom has taken over the kingdom, and David is fleeing for his life. And we read in verse 5, as King David approached Baharum, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. Now we need to have a little bit of background. Most of us remember Saul, right? Saul was the king before David. And if you remember, uh, in many ways, Saul tried to kill David. David was fleeing from his life for a number of years. Uh, finally, Saul is killed in battle. And David, on more than one occasion, extends grace to Saul's family. But this guy from Saul's family is not too happy uh, with David. We continue to read in verse 5, his name was Shammai, son of Gera. He cursed as he came out again not happy with David not only is he cursing but he's also throwing rocks at David look at what it says in verse 6 he pelted David with all the king's officials and all the king's officials with stones though the troops and the special guard were on David's left and right in other words David's life is not really in danger but this guy's coming out throwing rocks at him cursing him you talk about kicking a guy when he's down David's already at a low point in his life. He's fleeing for his life from his own son. And this guy is adding to his misery. Look at what he says, verse 7. As he cursed, Shammai said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose places you have reigned, or in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into you, to the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Not a fan of David, is he? But his accusations are not true, right? If we've been a part of the story and we know the story, we know that David did not kill those in the household of Saul. In fact, on more than one occasion, he spared Saul and his sons. We also know that the Lord did not hand the kingdom over to Absalom. In fact, Absalom took the kingdom by rebelling against his father. And nowhere in scripture do we see that as ordained by God. Shammai is upset because of the death of those in his clan. And maybe Abner and ish you might remember they died in battle. Maybe that's where his complaint is coming from. But the author of 2 Samuel goes to great lengths to assure us that David is not responsible. Nevertheless, Shammai is acting out uh, against David and against David's men. Now David's men are not too happy about this. Look at verse 9. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. Now he's ready to take care of business, isn't he? David, I'll take care of him. He won't be throwing rocks anymore when I'm done with him. And in many ways, he might have a good reason. But look at David's response, and it might surprise us in verse 10. But the king said, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he's cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? You know, maybe maybe David feels that he has been cursed. You think about David for a moment here. He's, rebelled, he's, he's fleeing for his life. His own son has rebelled against him. And if you, you back up even further, we know David has failed on a number of occasions. And maybe David, David thinks, you know what, I'm, I'm cursed by God. And this guy, what he says is true. So just let him speak. Look at verse 11. David then said to Abishai and his officials, My son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjaminite? Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. You can see David's pain in these words, can't you? I I am cursed, he's thinking. Leave him alone. Let him curse me. You know, we understand David here in many ways as, you know, he's, he's, he's not being cursed by God, but he feels like he is. You know, many times when life is not going as we want it to go, we might feel the same way, right? Is God cursing me? And that's what's going on with David here. At the same time, David's posture is admirable, isn't it? He just says, let God be in control. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to take matters into my own hand. I'm just going to let God be God and let God deal with him, leave him alone. He's throwing rocks and cursing, but let it be. Maybe this morning you have a difficult person in your life, someone who's wreaking havoc on you. Maybe not literally throwing rocks and cursing at you, but maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member. And there's toxicity, right? Every time you encounter that person. And maybe God would be saying to you, just let me handle the situation. Just give it over to God. Let God take care of things. You know, many ways this goes against our grain, doesn't it? Against our nature. Yet David's posture is much like the posture of Jesus. You might remember Jesus saying in Luke chapter 6, verse 29, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture in contrast to an aggressive posture. It is much like what David is is doing here, is much like what Jesus did, less like Abishai. And we, as followers of Jesus, should be more like Jesus and less like Abishai. On the one hand, you might be thinking, this guy Shammai is really a jerk. And he is. But David knows that it's not his job to fight back, to set him straight. So we have this event under our belt, right? We see how David responded and Shammai just kind of disappears. Now in time, Absalom is killed. This is devastating for David. He did not want his son dead. And yet at the same time, it allows him to move back to Jerusalem and regain his kingship. Let me invite you to fast forward with me over to chapter 19. And it is in this context that Shammai appears again. This time, David is on his way back to Jerusalem. David David received word that everyone wants him to come back. Look at verse 14. He won over the hearts of the men of Judah so that they were all of one mind. They sent word to the king, return, you and all your men. Then the king returned and went as far as the Jordan. So David is on the banks of the Jordan River. He's getting ready to head back into Jerusalem. We read in verse 15. Now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out and meet the king and bring him across the Jordan. And guess who is in the group? You've got it, Shammai, verse 16. Shammai, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Barum, came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. With him were a thousand Benjaminites along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, his 15 sons and his 20 servants. They rushed to Jordan where the king was. They crossed at the ford to take the king's household over and do whatever he wished. Now, you gotta wonder, right? How is David going to respond to Shammai this time? Now, the last time we saw him, he was throwing rocks and cursing at David. But now Shammai's in a different place. Look with me at verse 18. When Shammai, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king. He's not throwing rocks this time. He's not cursing. He's laying down on his belly, right? Prostrate before the king. And look at what he says in verse 19. And it said to him, may the Lord not hold me guilty do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the King left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned, but today I've come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph, to come down and meet my Lord the King. Do you see what he's saying here? David, I'm wrong. David, I've sinned. I messed up. I shouldn't have done what I did. Is there any way, David, that you'll forgive me? Now, you might be thinking, you know, Shammai knows that David's king now, right? He's probably a little worried about this last encounter, worrying that maybe his life is on the line. Maybe he's just looking out for his own interest. and Maybe he's going to meet David to ask for forgiveness so that he will live. Maybe he's authentically apologizing. We're not sure. But we do know that Shammai is active in finding David and confessing his sin. And you know, there are times when you and I need to do this sort of thing, right? We've wronged someone. Maybe we've cursed and thrown rocks in some way. Perhaps this morning, God will be reminding you of this. Maybe this morning, you need to be like Shammai. You need to say, I'm sorry, I've sinned. Maybe you need to confess to someone this morning. Let's keep reading the story, verse 21. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said, Shouldn't Shammai be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. Now, Abishai, he's the one who wanted to kill him the first time, and he's ready to kill him again, right? He's thinking, David, you're the king now. He's thinking, this guy, Shammai, he's just bowing down before you because he wants to get in good with the king. You should kill him. You should make it right. You should make him an example for everybody else, right? Enact the death penalty, David. Why don't you do that? And look at how David responds, verse 22. David replied, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? What right do you have to interfere? Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Don't I know that, I, that today I am king over Israel? In other words, he tells him to be quiet. He tells him that he has no right to stick his nose into this ordeal. Look at verse 23. So the king said to Shammai, you shall not die. And the king promised an oath to him David does not kill him he does not take him out David seems to forgive him here David's heart is aligned with the heart of God now before we close this story I do want to say a few things about Shammai Shemmai's one tricky guy and if you keep reading the story you'll find David telling Solomon just before his death to watch out for Shammai David knows he's a tricky guy and eventually Solomon does have him killed. He's not a nice guy. He's still a jerk even when David forgives him. And even though he's confessing his wrong uh, his wrong here, he later proves to be anything but nice. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a tough word, isn't it? Why is that? Because we don't like to do it. Most of us are more like Abishai. Our human nature calls for justice over forgiveness we're more concerned with getting even most of the time, right? Rather than extending grace. But this morning, I I wanna point you to one more parable. I'm gonna ask you to flip over to the New Testament with me. Matthew chapter 18, Deb read this already this morning. And you might remember the story, the context of the story. Peter is asking Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive somebody, right? You know, can you give me a number so I can keep notes? (laughs) And when I get to a particular point, I can say, well, I've forgiven you enough. And Jesus responds with this story. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 23, Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, notice that, 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, and his children, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So we have this guy, he owed much money. How many bags of gold? 10,000 bags of gold. But he was set free from his debt. Then in verse 28, but when that fellow servant, or when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, if you're reading along, you're probably guessing, right? 100 silver coins probably isn't anywhere close to the value of 10,000 gold coins, right? You're right about that. He grabbed him and began to choke him. "Pay back what you owe me," he demanded. it's the same guy who had just received immense forgiveness, and now he's unwilling to forgive his coworker. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Now you think this guy would realize that he's received much grace, right? And he would extend that same grace, but he doesn't. Look at what happens in verse 30. But he refused and said, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. They go tell the master, look at what happened. This guy, you just forgave him. Look what he's not willing to forgive the, the, uh, the other person, verse 32, then the master called, the wicked, or called in the servant, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus relates this to us in verse 35. Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart Jesus has a way of driving the point home doesn't he and and what's the point the point is that you and I have been forgiven and in the same way David had been forgiven he understood grace he understood what it meant to mess up and still be forgiven and because he had experienced grace he was willing to extend grace. Because he had experienced forgiveness, he was willing to extend forgiveness. As we read this story, we're reminded that David's heart is like God's heart. And the story reminds us that God's heart is one of forgiveness. And we say, what about you and me? Are we going to be like David in the story? Or are we going to be more like Abishai in the story? Are we going to be willing to extend grace? Why? Because we have received grace. I wonder, how might God be speaking to us today? How might he be prompting us? I admit, it's not an easy topic. It's not an easy thing to forgive someone who's hurt you deeply. But God clearly calls us to recognize what we've been given and respond by extending grace to those around us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the story today Kind of hidden in the story of David, we have this act of forgiveness, act of grace. And we're reminded, God, that you have forgiven us, that you have forgiven us in a far greater way than we're called to forgive others. And God, may we extend grace and we extend forgiveness because we have been forgiven. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.